Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, y'all. I'm Joe Tower, and you're listening to Tales of Male Folly, a storytelling podcast based on the Los Angeles live show of the same name. The live show features a lineup of four performers, all male, telling true stories that put the embarrassment and shame back into being a man. Each episode of this podcast will feature one new story by one new storyteller, recorded live at one of our past shows, and presented to you here and now, as is. I promise what you're about to hear is totally unedited and unfucked with. If you're ever in the L.A. area, you should check out our website, talesofmalefolly.com, for more info, as well as upcoming event dates and times. You can also find us on Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram. You can't find us on Twitter because, well, fuck Twitter. All right, enough small talk. Let's get on with the folly. What can I say about Sam Pancake? What justice could I possibly do the magic that you're about to hear? How can my mere words be able to describe the force of nature this person is to reckon with? What justice can this podcast do for the magic that is seeing him in the flesh? I don't know, to be honest. You probably have seen Sam Pancake on any number of TV shows and films at many different times, but to be truly honest, you really have to hear and see this incredible treasure for yourself. Please sit back and enjoy Sam regaling a Tales of Male Folly audience in January 2017 during our Folly Palooza with a story about a wicked run-in with Hollywood legend Rip Taylor. This is Sam Pancake's Tale of Male Folly. Everyone, you know, it's so weird. This crazy, you're my goal weight. That's my hacky lady um, opening because I'm not really a stand up, but that's a taste of what it would be like if I were. Um, it's, I'm gonna hold on, I'm gonna totally just Aretha Franklin at, at the Kennedy Center honors. I forgot to eat dinner, I know. Don't hate me, ladies, but I forgot to eat dinner. Like, I'm one of those people, so I just swallow my gums to trick myself. And, uh, <laughs> So good luck. I can't tell a story straight to begin with. So um, especially since I got sober and can't be on the Adderall. Uh, so it's just a whirly bird up there. Good luck, everyone. Um, it's funny, the theme of the night, because a lot of I was just thinking earlier while I was watching the show. This place was a, the site of a lot of my a few of my billions of horrible moments in L.A. because this used to be called The Garage, this, the Virgil here, right? And I know I look 24, but I'm much older. Um, <laughs> wink. And um, I just remember, like, the first time, I'd, and there was a, a really cool gay... I'm one of your gay friends. I don't know if you've figured that out yet. I'm one of your gay friends, I hope. I hope I'm your friend. Um, so now that everything that's other is going to be wiped away on the White House website. Anyway, um, no more Spanish. Um, 
Too soon. I know, girl. Um, so I did this at a horrible... So it was this gay punk rock club called Sucker on Sunday afternoons that was hosted by a seven-foot uh, African-American gender-bending drag artist named Vaginal Cream Davis. Where are you going? Too much, mama? Um, and... Uh, um, great placement of the restrooms, by the way. It didn't used to be there. But I remember, like, doing ketamine for the first time. I came here, of course. And then also I got fingered by the pool table. It used to be over there by this guy. And he was like, you, you're too clean and you're so sweet. And I was like, sorry, Todd. I keep my motor clean. I'm a fast machine. Anyway. <laughs> and anyway. So here's a story I'm going to tell. That's not even the story, bitches. <laughs> Gay, check. Drugs, check. Alcohol, rehab, check, boys. Um, fingered by the pool table, check. Um, oh, this keeps getting better and richer and creamier. So anyway, here's what happened. I'm an actor, and uh, thank you, hi, Nina. Um, so, um, so I've been fortunate and lucky and great, hashtag grateful enough to work these low these many years as this person, playing officious desk clerks and sassy waiters and such. And, um, and so in 2003, I, um, was, I recurred, thank you, on... <laughs> Televisions of Willing. Can we walk around? Oh, is this being? Oh, good. This is being filmed. Hi, mom and dad. Got fingered by the pool table. Um, <laughs> by a ginger man named Todd. Um, recurred on Will and Grace. Hi, I played a Jimmy who worked with Sean's character Jack at Out TV. The, the first time I did it, I was a bartender and I worked with Woody Harrelson. And the second time, um, and the re the rest of the gang and the. Sorry, it's bothering me. Um, and anymore, as my hair falls out, great, check. Um, <laughs> shedding on stage, living. Um, so, and the second time I did was asked back. I played, that's, uh, I worked with Stephen Tobolowski, Ned Ryerson from Groundhog's Day. Come on, he's in everything. He has great stories. And there's something about me, ladies and gentlemen, one of the motherfucking reasons I moved here to be an actor is because I like our older uh, showbiz treasures. I like listening to their stories. I've worked with Gavin McLeod of The Love Boat and Sally Struthers and Miss Carol King and a lot of uh, Marsha Wallace from The New Heart Show. You're all too young, so go to hell. Um, I've had a, the pleasure of meeting a lot of these older people and I like to listen to their stories. So, um, and Stephen Tobolowsky had a bunch of stories. So the third time I was asked back to Will and Grace, whip it! Um, she, um, can't stop it. Double Dutch. Um, and, uh, I got to, um, so I didn't know what I was doing. I was coming back. You don't know who's going to be the guest star. Will it be Debbie Reynolds, RIP? Will it be Cher? Will it be Madonna? Lainey Kazan? You know, it could be anything. So, um, I get in the room and, um, to the table read, and we're all sitting around. It's like Eric, who plays Will, and Sean, who plays Jack, and Megan, who plays Karen. And we're waiting for Deborah because there's a crisis and Deborah's late. Oh, not unusual, apparently. And um, 2003, people change. Hooray for everyone. I want to work again. They're bringing the goddamn show back, so I'll keep my mouth shut about that. Bing! Directed by the legendary Mr. Jimmy Burroughs. He was there. We're waiting. So I walk in. Who's going to be the guest star across the CBS Radford lot on a hot October day? And um, there in the table besides the cast is Victor Garber, who is a, who is, was the, whatever he did on the Titanic. I'm not a, I'm not a girl. I don't know the Titanic. Um, uh, you know, he's on, the he's on every, he's an alias, and he's this amazing older gay man who happens to be, uh, older man who happens to be gay, and he's a silver fox. He's in, and then who else is there but Mr. Rip Taylor? Do we know who that is? This is like, if you grew up in the 70s, I know, again, I look 24, but I'm twice that at least. And um, he was, 
a staple in the seventies of like game shows and the gong show. And he had the, the, the like blonde to pay. He would pull off this big handlebar mustache and he would throw confetti at everything. And he was a screaming, flaming homo faga quina to the nth degree. Right. And very few of those were on TV when you were lit. When I was a little gay boy in the sixties and seventies in Southern motherfucking West Virginia, yo. So I, whatever I saw, I paid attention because I knew Greg Brady wasn't coming for me anytime soon. Or Jethro, shut up. It was my thing. Um, West Virginia. So there weren't a lot of the gays, obvious gays on TV besides Paul and as Uncle Arthur on Bewitch. So here's another thing. A gay man my age, time for seriousness, um, because I came out, I got my cherry popped in 85. <laughs> no, that's more for my parents. Great. I can't stop it now. Like they'd ever even watched me on TV where I was like when friends went, well, I've heard of that. Oh, we're going to a funeral that day. <laughs> Literally my mother's words. Um, I was on it again. No reaction. Um, so uh, a gay man who's in deep middle age like myself, I should step further back from those lights as I say that and look prettier. Um, I didn't, people's, men started dying of AIDS, obviously, in the 80s, into the early 90s for the cocktail. So a guy my age did not have any role models who were gay men, didn't have any mentors. Um, and they were, people were sick, or they were taking care of their sick friends, or they had died, or they were deeply in the closet, especially actors. So as a young gay actor in the world, I just, you know, you kind of, I kind of made my way and whatever, just was very lucky. So coming into this room and seeing this older gay man, Rip Taylor, who, you know, we all just knew was gay, right? Um, I was like, oh, good, maybe I'll have these great stories and I'll be helpful and have advice. Okay. So, um, we, it's a, you know, you know, sitcoms LA, you work in the biz. It's like a four or five day, you know, rehearsal thing. And you, and Will and Grace tapes Tuesday nights. And so in my role in the show, I take, I find Rip Taylor and I get to take him on the TV show that like Jack's character produces. And Jack brings in Victor Garber's character and yabba dabba do. Hilarity ensues. So I, um, right off the bat, um, after the table read, I say to Mr. Taylor, it's so great to meet you. He's like, it's about goddamn time they have me on this bitch of a show. <laughs> Here we go. So I stood by Rip's side all four or five days, of five days of the rehearsal period, helping him rehearse his lines, all four of them. And um, uh, he was, he carried a giant stack of pictures with him of himself and various celebrity ladies. And he was delighted that I knew that I could identify the likes of Ruta Lee or Cheetah Rivera or Carol Channing. And, um, so he would, um, he loved his, uh, he would carry the stack of pictures topped by a photo of his star on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> Not just everywhere he went, but like literally from the dressing room to the stage. And he would say, um, I, I, I love photographing so much, I even have a picture of my camera. Um, and then it just got worse and worse throughout the week. And he got crankier and meaner. And he would say in the mornings, that Jack won't even say hi to me. And I was like, well, first of all, his name is Sean. And he's a, he's a delight. He's a dear friend. And just back off. And so then he would just like constantly be bitching and moaning and just telling like things, asking me questions like, do you have any idea what Debbie Reynolds cholesterol count is? No, Rip, I sure don't. Or like, you know, and he would talk about Judy Garland. I mean, I'm typical gay from my generation. I'm like, Judy Garland. He's like, Mah. oh, she drove me crazy. She couldn't even do her hair and makeup. Just three little. Mah, mah, mah. That was her before she went on stage. And he was like, I'm a veteran of the Korean War and Las Vegas. Um, 
And he was, he's often confused with Rip Torn, you know, who was on the Larry Sanders show and who's still with us and who, uh, he had this huge fight with him because Rip was his real name and Rip Torn stole his name and he was mad at him and Geraldine Page because their letterbox in New York City said Torn Page and he was furious about it. And Rip Torn did Rolling Grace too and he was so, the, Megan Mullally told me that it's, he was so mean he made one of the second ADs cry and you know it's hard to make a second AD cry. <laughs> never a first. They'll never fucking cry. Um, so anyway, the the... The week went on, and we got to talk to Victor Garber, who was so amazing. And then before we, on tape day, Rip was like, got really nervous and terrified. And this is a man who's on stage all the time, but he was terrified. And I was trying to be like really sympathetic and helpful. And he's an old man, and he was kind of like physically not in great shape. And so I just put up with a lot of a lot of shit from him. And then the day of the taping, he said, "I think when we go out there, I'm not going to say my lines. I'm going to turn the audience and just tell some of my jokes." And I said, Ruben, that's a terrible idea. I would very much urge you not to do that. So Jimmy Burroughs, who's a fucking saint and like a national treasure also, and, and you know, has a zillion Emmys, did this wonderful thing where he let Rip come out at his queue and tell all his jokes and throw the confetti. He was like, they want the paper and the hair, you know, and like you got to whip off his toupee and throw the confetti and everything. And so that all went fine. And then, so... We wrapped the show, and he, I was in my dressing room. Across from the Just Shoot Me dressing rooms, where George Siegel, another show, had banged on my door and said, I want to see what a pancake looks like. And I was like, thank you, Mr. Siegel. It looks like this. Um, <laughs> what was it like working on Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? There, no one no one got that. Okay, great. Um, I'm, like, I'm the only gay in the room, me and my best friend. Great. Um, so, anyhow... Uh, we wrapped the thing, and, and someone banged on my door again. It wasn't George Siegel. It was Rip Taylor. And I opened the door, and he's like, close your eyes. I got a surprise for you. Like, Here we go. So I closed my eyes, and he flung this, like, necklace that he had gotten from a show called I Am My Own Wife. Does he remember that Tony-winning show where he had just attended because it was, like, 2003? So the man's basically, he literally, it was pearls. He threw a pearl necklace at me. I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. Um, so he's like, give me your phone number. And he holds out this piece of paper and Victor Garber's number is on it, which I should have jotted down. And um, P.S. taken, married. And um, I was like, well, if he's, he's like, uh, give me your number. I'll call, your, I'll call you tomorrow if I'm not dead yet. Act surprised. So I wrote my number down. And he, um, uh, he left me alone. I was like, well, Victor, if, who's going to call me when they could call Victor Garber? Come on. So the next day, the call started, ladies and gentlemen. And I would pick up the phone, because this was back when the, like, you had an answering machine and like caller ID and also a cellular telephone. And um, he, I gave him both numbers, because I'm a dumb idiot. And um, I thought, well, maybe, you know, off the clock, he'll be more relaxed. And if he wants to go down to the Silver Spoon and introduce me to Shelly Winters, <laughs> I'd be delighted. Because um, I'm that kind of kid. So um, he started calling me two to three times a day. And he, so it was always unknown number because I never got his phone number and it never came up because it, that's not the way the cell phones were. Or it would just say unknown number. And he would call and just go into the same stories like, ah, Judy, girl, I'm, so, I'm still so mad at her. And just like tell this, you know, like Debbie Reynolds, mad at Debbie Reynolds again for whatever reason. And like just droning on and on, like angry, I think, you know, probably drunk, uh, sometimes late at night. And so this went on for weeks. And so I stopped answering the phone because I was like, there's nothing fun going to happen out of this. So um, then the calls would just be like, he would call me and go, rip, and hang up. 
And he would like call me and say, where are you? You don't have a job. Where are you? Rip. Click. And then like, or just like lots of angry hangups. It's like, like toupee hair in the background. Like confetti. So then he, uh, it just kept going on. I never answered again. And then Thanksgiving comes up and I returned to my apartment, my house. I lived in a house. It was a rental, but it was a house. Um, and he, uh, I got home and there was a message on the answering machine and I clicked, listen to it. And it was like, this is Rip Taylor. Where the hell are you? Why don't you ever answer your fucking phone? It's no wonder you don't have a career. You're such a loser. Do you answer your phone when your agent calls? Such a loser. You'll never have a career. And on and on and on. And I was like bug-eyed. And I just stupidly didn't save it. I listened, I had a couple of my friends listen to it, but it genuinely hurt my feelings so much. And I wanted to be like, I did fat actress that month too. And in my PD blue, I work, you know, like he gave the, f- cause that's any actor. Like you want to hear like the worst thing you hear is like, you have no career. I'm like, check IMDB. It hasn't been invented yet. Um, so I just, I had to make my peace with it. And um, I thought, you know, it's Thanksgiving night. This guy is alone drinking. And, uh, and I always thought that, and so it was, I tried to find compassion to my heart, which I did. And um, later on, I just thought he would, you know, die eventually, but he hasn't. And um, just like my father, three years ago, we rushed to his bedside. I guess I have issues. He's still with us, my father. Um <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, cut to a few, like a year later, I, I run into Rip at the, at the Staples on Sunset and Wilcox. I jumped behind the copier stand because I was terrified he might come and get me. So now I have Rip Taylor to haunt my dreams. But the important thing is this. I learned how not to be ever as I get older and crankier and more awful. And then I actually, actually also sobered up four and a half years ago and got my shit together. So that's my happy ending, hopefully. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Our live show is produced every other month at the Virgil in Los Angeles by me, Joe Tower, with the help of Brian Weiss and Alex Skridet. It's presented in partnership with Big Brothers Big Sisters of Greater Los Angeles. This podcast is produced by me, Joe Tower, and executive produced and edited by Brian Weiss. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, and also for subscription on SoundCloud, along with a bunch of other great podcast content as part of the Extra Credit Network. If you liked what you heard here, please subscribe and rate us. Or if you hated what you heard here and want us to fuck off, leave us a review and tell us what we can do better. If you'd like to contact us, or if you have a story to tell in spoken or written form, you can email us at talesofmalefolly at gmail.com. Oh, and one last time, you can find us online at www.talesofmalefolly.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.